Next on BYU Sports Station, the triumph and tragedy of a blowout. There are two sides to every story. BYU Athletics have certainly dealt with both sides. Which blowout performances top your BYU memory bank? Plus, BYU assistant Kelly Papinga on Cougar football's biggest question mark and USA Volleyball coach John Sparat breaks down Taylor Sander. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU Radio and BYU TV. Now from Studio B, your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Oh, yeah. BYU Sports Nation on your radio, television, and other media machines. Presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. It is Wednesday, July 9th. My name is Spencer Linton. I am teamed up, as usual, with a guy who sometimes likes to make up awards, Jerem Jordan. Sure, why not? There's not enough, right? And bowl games. Let's just start a bowl game. How about that? <laughs> Wherever and however you're dialed in, great to have you with us. Look, I've been had, hanging my head in shame uh, over the past hmm, 24 hours-ish. What'd you do? Because we messed up the one thing we absolutely have to get right every day. The entire show? No. Oh. But a big part of the show, and it all centers on what happens in late August. Countdown to Connecticut. 51 days. Tomorrow is 50. Woo! There may have been some confusion. I'm going to make excuses now. Following a weekend and a holiday, July 4th, but we have checked. I'm in charge of getting the day right. And, and double checked. And then checked again today Don't just to make we. sure we're it there. It was me. I'm not saying I'm not talking I'm about the mistake. It was me. I'm saying we've checked multiple times today so that we don't yes. screw it up again. No, I only checked one time. That's all it takes. Fifty-three. Why, why do- I mean, fifty-two days. People say double check all the discount. Yeah. Double check, Rogers. They say that double check all the time. Just single check. Well, how about that? It's inexplicable. Yes. Okay. The Inconceivable. The countdown error is out of the way. We're at fifty-one days until BYU and Connecticut line it up at Rentschler Field. We had to get that out of the way. I like the stat uh, that BYU Sports Nation just tweeted out. Alani Fua had a 51-yard pick six last year versus Georgia Tech. That's That was kind of the the game-sealing play. Yeah, ball game, pick six. It, it was done. After that, you're like, nah, yeah, we, BYU Defensive wins, touchdowns wins are this awesome. game. Alani Fua had two enormous interceptions he, last year. He had uh, game-clinching INTs in two games. Yeah, Houston was the other one. Oh, that was awesome. I'm not going to lie. That was fun to witness in person. You were on the sideline. <laughs> that was at uh, Reliance Stadium. That, that was an instant classic. Yes, That's, it don't was. Don't you think? Oh, absolutely. A 90, shootout where BYU wins on the road. Great. 93 combined points. Hey, join our conversation 24-7 using the hashtag BYUSN. Link up across BYU Sports Nation wherever you want, whenever you feel like. And sound off on today's Twitter question. We already have amazing response from this. In honor of Germany's victory yesterday over Brazil, 7-1, to what is your most memorable BYU blowout, good or bad? See, I have a weird time with the word honor there. Because what about, whatever. So, what about, no, what about the Brazilian fans? Well, yeah, what about well, yeah. honor that? I'm, I'm you know, a typical BYU student, went to Brazil on my mission, and uh, <laughs> I feel so bad for them because that, that means the most of anything ever to them. So when there are people crying in the stands during the game, we d- we don't see that ever. That ever was in that the was US. hard to watch. I I was watching with uh, with my wife and a friend, and and all of us were like, "This is this is hard to watch." Like I, you that don't meant see so that? much that oh. they're in Brazil. Oh my gosh, it was bad. So we started thinking about different blots. We're gonna bring the hours out in a minute. But. So in light or in <laughs> darkness or in honor of Germany's victory yesterday, <laughs> what's your most 
memorable BYU blowout, good or bad. At Planet BYU with our first tweet today. Good? He gives us both. Good UCLA. Oh, wait. 59-0. Everything went right for BYU. Sorry, Norm Chow. Bad? That game versus Hawaii in 2001. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, you give up 72 points and lose perfection. Worst, worst day of my life. Luke Staley doesn't play. December He's 8th, injured. 2001. Oh, man. Worst day of my life. Use the hashtag BYUSN to join our conversation 24-7. We remind you to listen to BYU Sports Nation. Noon Eastern on BYU Radio, Sirius XM Channel 143. Watch the simulcast live on BYU TV in crystal clear radio vision. And it's now time, my friends, to rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. What's Trending in BYU Sports Nation. Topic one. BYU blowouts. Jerem and I spent a good deal of time this morning reminiscing about all of the games that we remember most, both good and bad. And there have been a number. The one that is most recent that we have dubbed a blowout because it was against the 15th-ranked team in the country, and how many times has BYU beaten a ranked team by, by double digits, 19. by almost yeah. 20 points? That doesn't happen a lot. We go with Texas in 2013, 40-21. That game felt like it was out of hand at halftime. They were up 13 and just dominating. Had 300-plus rushing yards at that point. That sticks out. When you talk about just... The biggest, the first one that comes to mind is the same as that tweet that we just got, which is UCLA, fifty-nine to zero in two thousand eight. That stuck out to me so much. And then the other one is the most points allowed in a game by BYU, two thousand one Hawaii. BYU is twelve and zero, ranked ninth in the AP poll. They had just been told that they would not be in a BCS game. They got a letter in the mail, by the way, on that back in the day. Why well, wasn't an email? Whatever, so formal. <laughs> they got a fax from the no uh, that day. I didn't watch the first half because I was needed at a school function. I was a senior in high school at the time. And they were giving me such a hard time about that. Oh, so bad. BYU gives up the most points it's ever given up in a game. 72. Luke Staley was hurt. BYU lost the last two games of that season. You're defeated. And you almost look at 0. it as the way that Brazil was with Neymar. Your best player. The captain of your squad. It's, it's hard to get up yeah. and be like, yeah, okay, we can, we can do it without him. Luke Staley was the Doak Walker Award winner. How do you go to the Hawaiian Islands against a motivated, rowdy team when you're ranked in the top ten in the country without your best player and, and win a game? That's well, very difficult. I mean, that had happened previously, right? Ty Detmer wins the Heisman oh, see, this at is, this a is pool cool. in Hawaii, and then they get crushed. What was the score of that one? 56-28. to 28. You win the Heisman Trophy. And then you get blown out. It's like, oh, <laughs> oh sorry, 59 to 20. So you yeah. lose by 31. The, the losses are way more memorable to me than the wins. You remember the expe- girl that broke your heart. Luckily, I didn't have one like that. But I expect, you shake your head, I expect that BYU wins often, right? So the, the like excessive joy moments like Oklahoma 09, which is not a blowout per se, but those kinds of An wins. Enormous victory. Happen less often, right? The big blowouts of disappointment. I remember those more. Oh nine, BYU ranked fifth, hosting Florida State. Bam. BYU later in the season, game day comes. BYU ranked 16th with just one loss. TCU's in town. Bang. You lose 38-7 or whatever. It's like, oh. That was depressing. Those ones stick out to me more. I drove over four and a half hours from Colorado for the whole game day situation. (laughs) I was like, this is awesome. And then Andy Dalton and Jeremy Curley and those guys just put on an absolute display. 
It did it to Utah too, so at least we got that going for us. No, no, I take no solace <laughs> in that. It's well, yeah, I do. You're yes, right. you do. <laughs> Stop it. You're right. You, you remember the girl that broke your heart. You remember those losers think that those way. Well, games at least that to them. because of what could have been. What could have been? And and the, when we when I think of a blowout, I do not think of teams that BYU should blow out. Like Taysom Hill's first start as a Cougar was a forty-seven nothing win against Hawaii in two thousand twelve. Doesn't even register in here. It Hawaii doesn't. was terrible. Hashtag Norm Chow UNLV nightmare. Beating beat, back in the day, beating UTEP um, by huge margins. Uh, New Mexico. I mean Savannah State this year. Idaho State. Those do not register for me. It's the times where BYU is playing a somewhat even opponent, and then a blowout occurs where it's like what. Positively or negatively. Negatively. In 2003, I was a I was a freshman sophomore at BYU. I was on my niche on. Okay. Well, you you were lucky because I know I missed the apostasy of BYU football. One and five at seasons. home that year. One and five. You beat Georgia Tech at home to open the season. My boy yeah. Daniel Coates scores two touchdowns. He's on ESPN. I think the world is super he great. Did that. Yes, he did a little dance that and got flagged, dance. got flagged for it. Okay. <laughs> Great touchdown, kids. Later that year, dance. Colorado State comes to town. You're on ESPN2. Colorado State is ranked. They were a good football team that year with Bradley Van Pelt, the quarterback. They destroy BYU on homecoming night, 58-13. to That one haunted me for a really long time. That's when so Colorado I'm, State was good at football. So I'm thinking, okay, well, at least they can redeem themselves a few weeks later again on ESPN when Boise State, before Boise and State unknown, was dominant. They were, they were good, but they hadn't reached. The Broncos come in on yet. ESPN Thursday night. It snowed, and they dropped BYU 50-12. to And I'm thinking, this is not real. Meanwhile, this does I'm not in Brazil happen. doing this. Knocking doors on the streets like that. Missing this whole thing. I was going to say you're clapping for BYU because they lost by 50. You don't go up to the door and <laughs> knock. You clap. Gosh. Yeah, there, there have been some, some meltdowns. 1990, Ty Detmer separates both shoulders in the Holiday Bowl. They lose to Texas A&M 65-14. to I think I, I shed a few tears. But here is the biggest blowout in BYU history, which brings us to the stat of the day. Or countdown to Connecticut. <laughs> it's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Yes, it is. 76. BYU's largest margin of victory in program history is 76. What? An 83-7 win in 1980 against UTEP. 451 yards, 6 TDs for Jimmy Mack. Eight different guys scored a touchdown in that game. If you include Jim McMahon, nine. You beat UTEP 83 83- to seven. Most points scored in a BYU football game right there, 83. Most points allowed, 72 versus Hawaii, 01. That will never happen again in the Bronco Mendenhall era. Nope. They're, they will never. I don't think they'll I ever score. I wonder if they'll score 60. Yeah, I don't know if they'll score 60. I That's hope right. they do against Virginia this year. Oh. Win by 60, please. How about we end this discussion on another high note? 1989, BYU puts up 70 with Ty Detmer as the quarterback in a 70-31 to 31 win over Utah. Utah. Yep. Yeah. How about baseball? 20 to 3 against Utah this year. Yeah. <laughs> that was Basketball. Awesome. Jimmer goes for 47 <laughs> at Utah. They win 104 79. That was a fun one. Oh, man. What is your most memorable BYU blowout, good or bad? Use the hashtag BYUS and let's go to the Twitter machine. It's Twitter time. At Troy B. Adams. Loved the righteous UCLA beatdown. I don't know what the point of righteous is there. Years of therapy has <laughs> helped me forget the U of U Jake Heaps debacle. Still the most unathletic football play I have ever seen. I didn't bring that one up because I've literally put that one out of my mind. There was a time for about two years where I did not remember the score on purpose. 
Like my mind was like, you will get put this out. <laughs> I know the score. Like Lock it away. Every BYU Utah game back to ninety five or whatever. I don't know. I didn't remember that one for a while. Fifty four ten at Ooh. Bridger Hill. Here we go. BYU's win versus Utah in nineteen eighty nine, seventy to thirty one. Then he says, all wins against the team up north are the best, especially last second wins. We're talking about blowouts. Yeah. And so the 70 to 31 is nice, but you talk in dramatic fashion. You talk and throw a couple of blowouts back in BYU's face as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. 08, 04. The 54 10, yeah. 54 10. 08, 48, 24. Man. Keep your responses coming using the hashtag BYUSN, also trending in BYU Sports Nation. The Capital One Cup standings. Goes to this, you tabulate all the points for what your athletic programs have done and compete against other it's, major programs. The season's over. BYU Final finished standings. number 43, highlighted by number three finish in men's volleyball and a number four finish in men's cross country. So uh, the Cougars with Up the three res- spots from last year. A respectable performance. John Raheem Peoples, by the way, BYU defensive lineman transferring, uh, reportedly to Idaho State. He's from Rigby, Idaho, so that makes sense. Don't sleep on Idaho State. I will. BYU men's soccer gave up a stoppage time goal to tie with New Mexico last night in their final home game. Next stop, the PDL playoffs. Yeah, they play Saturday against Albuquerque as well. Joining us next, BYU assistant football coach Kelly Papinga. What's the biggest question mark for this team in 2014? You say his name like it's Polynesian. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan live in crystal clear radio vision from Studio B at BYU Broadcasting. Follow the show on Twitter at BYU Sports Nation. You can join us live weekdays at noon Eastern on Sirius XM Channel 143 and watch the simulcast on BYU TV. Remember, you can uh, follow the show on YouTube.com slash BYU TV Sports. Uh, clips from this program as well as highlights and other stuff. Uh, YouTube.com slash BYU TV Sports. Our Twitter question today is, what is your most memorable BYU blowout, good or bad? And it's in light of the Germany-Brazil debacle uh, at the World Cup. Uh, it was just crazy. And it's what everyone's talking about. So I got us thinking about BYU blowouts. What is your most memorable, good or bad? Send in your responses using the hashtag BYUSN. A perfect way to bring in our in-studio guest, Kelly Poppinga, you just told us that's the correct, the proper yes. pronunciation. But I was giving you a hard time because it's like he's not Polynesian. But, it's you, not but you say it's it's Papinga. Papinga. That's that's Papinga. That's, yes. But the proper is Papinga. Yes. Thank you for that uh, enlightenment. Oh yeah. Over the rake. Always <laughs> yeah. Always willing to do that for you guys. <laughs> also, we have the easiest job ever, right? Yes. I shoot. Get it. You get to talk football, sports all day. That sounds pretty easy to me. Okay. Let's. Talk. I do all the stress. <laughs> I'll stress it all and do all the preparation to you know give you a good product on the field or maybe a bad product hopefully not that but it'll give you something to talk about though right let's talk we football. prefer to talk goodness <laughs> the good yeah. stuff oh yes. yeah that's See the good in the world that's what we'd like do to you do. have a most memorable byu blowout i was just thinking about that when you were saying that and uh i don't know I, honestly as a player i don't think you remember the blowouts you remember the games that are close down to the end and you know that's those are the games that you you know, end up playing the whole entire game. Most of the blowouts, you're sitting on the bench in the fourth quarter and you forget about those, you know. But I, I would have to say one that I didn't play in but I remember was uh, the UCLA game in 2008 yeah. because I was sitting at home. That was the year after I played. And I remember sitting home and I was. it was kind of like watching that game yesterday. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. It was like every time we – it was like the first play of every series, we were scoring a touchdown. And I was just, you know, I'm just sitting there at home like, are you guys, I mean, is this a Division One football team out here right now that we're playing against or what? But This is UCLA. Yeah, yeah you know, and so, I mean, I think Amazing. that was the whole thing is you, you know, you think of a UCLA team, they 
you know, shouldn't be down. I think it was like 41 to nothing at halftime or 34 to zero or something like that. That's crazy. But I would have to say that's the one that came to my mind just thinking about it. Let's not bury the lead here. Uh, the Lou Groza and Ray Guy watch list were announced today. You're the special teams coach. How disappointed are you you didn't have any guys on that list? <laughs> <laughs> I am so disappointed. I cannot believe they – no. I'm, um, you know, we have brand-new guys, really. I mean, Scott, he had an okay last year, so obviously he's not going to be a guy going into the season. But just seeing what he did in spring ball and hearing what he's doing this summer – um, I think he's going to have a really good year. And the thing about Scott that most people don't know about, he's one of the best athletes on our team. We've you guys, heard that did you guys he's know fast. That? Yeah, he can, yeah, he can we've soup. heard that he's fast. Isn't he like a 4-4-5 four, four, or yeah, something? Yeah, he can fly, man. Wait, so, so what are you going to do with that? Well, you'll find out. Oh, you'll be find oh, out. You'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we tried to do some things last year. Sometimes it's hard to talk the head coach into doing some things. We had some things in the works last year, and we practiced a lot, but we just never called them in the game. Hmm. So we'll see. To Hopefully, use his speed. there will be, you know, we'll do some different things on punt this year that I think fans uh, will recognize for sure. You'll see it day one, and you might see it the very first punt of the season. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. Be ready. Yeah. Kelly Papinga, outside linebackers coach and special teams coach joining BYU Sports Nation. Uh, Riley, we were talking about All Americans the other day, and Riley Stevenson was the second team All American at BYU, one of only four. Uh, All-American. AP All-American. In, in the yeah, Bronco, Bronco Mendenhall era. Wow. Uh, when you look at Scott Arlano and with how athletic he is, it's fitting that we're talking about him. Could he do what Riley did and become a weapon for this football team? Oh, definitely. I think Scott, the thing that Scott has that Riley didn't have is he can, Riley could boom it, but Scott can boom it. I mean, he can really get a hold of it and that thing can go. And so I think the problem with Scott is his consistency. That was Riley's deal. Is Riley was cons- We knew when Riley was going out there, we were going to get at least a 40-yard punt that was going to have a hang time of about 4.5 seconds, and it was going to be in the exact spot we wanted it. And we yeah. knew that was going to happen every single time he went out on the field. He was just so consistent. And in all fairness, um, Riley had four years to do that. Yeah, you know, he He was a starter since his freshman year. And so with Scott, he wasn't super consistent last year, um, and he knows that, and he's working on that. But I think if he just – becomes more consistent he definitely has the leg to change the game and change the field position for our team and so um i mean we're looking forward to having a big season with scott and i know he's been working really hard to uh um you know have that success this year and the other thing that's great to have um and uh you know i don't know if i should say this but i'm going to (laughs) but lee johnson in his own time and you know he doesn't coach scott but they do meet together and he does give him advice and um, it's great to have a guy like Lee Johnson, a guy that's been you know kicked in the NFL for 18 yeah. years or whatever it was, to be able to give Scott some tips and to sit down and watch some film with him. And so um, it's always good to have a guy like that around. One element uh, that uh, maybe was underrated or not discussed as much with punting was the fact that Daniel Sorensen was maybe the best at punt cover oh, yeah. in America. Yeah. How do you how do you replicate that? Do you Is have there another guy? That can you have that? another guy. Definitely. So Craig Bills. Craig Bills was really good in 2012. Um, we took him off a, lo- a little bit last year because he, he had some concussion issues and we were kind of trying to keep him safe to play defense. But Craig is really good at punt cover. Um, Alani Fua is another guy that was really good at punt mm. cover last year. Um, Rob Daniel is a guy that I think will be able to go in that position where um, uh, Daniel Sorensen To go was. actually catch the ball yes, in some cases. go catch it. Yeah, and Daniel was – I've never seen a guy – you go back to the 2012 game in San Diego State – and then all the times he did it this past season, I mean, the Tulsa I, game sticks out to me the most in yeah, 2011. Yeah, that one would, like pinned back yeah, every time. Yeah, 
And so, you know, a lot has to do with just Riley was great at pooch punting. But some, him and Daniel had some connection there to where Daniel just knew exactly where that ball was going to be. And, I mean, Daniel just had great instincts. He knew exactly. I mean, he was a lot of the time running, looking behind him, and, you know, catching the ball, which is, you know, super impressive and hard to do. And so we'll get a guy like that. Um, we'll probably have to train somebody and probably not be to the level as Daniel, you know, as Daniel was at. But we'll get somebody there. That could very well put Daniel on, on an NFL roster. Oh, definitely. City oh, yeah. Because you know, of his ability to do I that. think, you know, really that's why – um, right after the draft was over, he was immediately picked up by the Chiefs, and I think it was for his special teams play that he had on punt. He was also great on kickoff return for us, and so he'll he'll make a roster um, depending upon how well he does in, the, in uh, you know the season. And he'll join us on Thursday. Another guy we just talked about, Lee Johnson, going to join the show on nice. Friday. Nice, that'll be fun. Have you guys ever oh, had him? Lee, yeah. Lee's, oh, yeah. such, he's so oh, energetic. Yeah. He is the cool guy. Yo, like, he's Mr. Cool, man. That's what yeah. I call him, Mr. Cool. <laughs> he he and he and Chad Lewis together. It's like overwhelming energy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Because they both work in uh, oh, yeah. development in the athletic yeah. department. Yeah, right? definitely. Yeah, they're trying to raise some money. I guess that's what they're doing, right? In theory. That's yeah. What <laughs> Lee's a guy you want in oh, there. Yeah. They that presented department. at the Y Awards together, and it was yeah, it, they're, uh, they're good a lot, guys, of, lot of shoulder slapping. Good guys to have in the program right now. Linebacker slash special teams coach Kelly Papinga, BYU football, joining BYU Sports Nation. Uh, Jeremy and I have broken down just about every uh, position group that uh, you can and, and at length. And it seems like there, there are some knowns in the linebackers, but there are plenty of unknowns and a ton of hype. I cannot remember this much hype surrounding a BYU football team with transfers coming yeah. in and the recruiting class. So what's the biggest unknown about this BYU football team? Whew, that's a great question. I would say the biggest unknown right now is still who is going to be um, our two inside backers. Mm. Honestly, that's what I say. I think we have good prospects. Manoa Pakula uh, came out of spring as the guy that really stood out to me. And then Zach Stout coming um, back after he'd you know been gone for a year, um, did a really good job in the spring. But still, I mean, he hadn't played football for a year. So there was a little, you know, he'd lost some strength, lost some agility a little bit. But uh, those are the two guys that I think that are the up and, you know, the front runners right now. But there's a lot of guys, you know, behind them, you know, I.E. Oching, um, a kid that just you know, is getting off of Mission, Philip Amone, uh, Neil Matololo. So yeah. interested is to Leo see. Leo Tadoyer there uh, as well? Yes, Jeremiah Leo Tadoyer, who had a good spring. I forgot about him. So there's a lot of guys right there that you don't know quite who's going to be the guy that steps up. But it seems like every year there's – there's a guy that steps up and it, it kind of goes back to the 2010 season. We didn't have, we had a good run of really good linebackers. Um, I think Matt Bauman and uh, Sean Domer, were the last ones in 2009. And then we went into this 2010 season, very similar. And a guy by the name of Shane Hunter, who yep. now is the GA for us, stepped up and had a great season. And, his uh, senior year. His senior year, the- exactly. And, uh, and then a guy by the name of Brandon Ogletree <laughs> uh, kind of came up that season. Mr. Nobody, He's really Mr. Yeah. Clean. Oh, yeah, yeah, Mr. <laughs> Clean. But nobody knew about Brandon. I mean, we did as coaches, and we knew that he was going to be pretty good. And so somebody will step up, and it'll probably be somebody that ends up having a great career here at BYU. Uh, but we're not quite sure who, that, you know, who those two guys are going to be quite yet. Now we look at the outside. The, those are the inside linebackers. Your guys, the outside linebackers. You know what you've got in Alani Fua. Expected to be a leader now on this team. You've made the switch with Bronson Kafusi. Is Bronson expected to start at Connecticut? Like, if you played today, would he be the starter? He, yeah, he better be. Or, <laughs> I mean, shoot, he went through spring ball and he, uh, you know, had a great spring and he's been training like a machine and getting to know the defense and understanding all the schemes and everything. And so, I think that. Uh, 
you know, it's his job to lose at this point. You know, I'm not going to anoint him as the starter. And even Alani, I, right. I hate to do that um, because there might be somebody that comes in from behind and surprises, and those guys might not show sure. up. Sure. You know, and so sure. as a coach, you always want to, yeah, you'll, those guys will be the two starters start day one of fall camp. But we'll see how they do um, during fall camp and then how the others do behind them. And, uh, you know, guys like Fred Warner, guys like Tyler Cook, guys like Troy Hines that will be home off his mission next week. So He was a stud in yeah. high school. Yeah, that So dude. he's going to have two weeks? Two weeks, yeah, oh yeah. Well, that's what Bronson did. Yeah. He got home way late, and then he actually yeah. played. Yeah, and so we, you know, I, I was on the radio earlier this morning with another station, and I was kind of explaining there's nobody else in the country um, that does a better job with return missionaries, obviously, because we have the most. So we better do the best, but we have a great plan of having, having to get those guys back into shape, making sure we're not pushing them too fast, you know, because we don't want any setbacks with those guys. We want to make sure we're easing them in and getting them, you know, their legs right and all that stuff. So we look forward to Troy getting back. And like you were saying, he was a stud in high school. And he, uh, I got a picture a couple of weeks ago of him and He's just all jacked up, you know, lifting in the gym. And I was like, dang, man, he looked like he was ready to play. Now, I don't know if he can run at all, but he sure looks the part. The Fui Vakapuna. Exactly. He was on the the Fui Vakapuna mission, just living in Gold's gym, basically. (laughs) Did you even teach anybody? (laughs) What were you doing? Do you want Troy Hines to play this year? Uh, I want him to play this year if he's ready to play. And that's, you know, what I always say about return missionaries. If if they're ready to play, I want them to play. If they're not ready to play, I would hate to play them. And that kind of happened last year a little bit with Sai Tautu. Sai Tautu wasn't quite ready to play. He's very similar. He came home late June and uh, just wasn't quite ready and uh, got some injuries and some setbacks and had ended up throwing him in there a couple, you know, for a couple plays in Wisconsin and some other uh, games, and he just wasn't quite ready. And Sai had a great spring. And so that's it just goes to show – you know, you give them a couple months, uh, half a year, and those guys will get themselves ready. And Cy had a great spring, and he's another guy um, in front of those freshmen probably that, you know, I'm probably looking forward to the most to see how he develops and, you know, having a role on the defense this year. Which position is he at, I guess? He's at Will Linebacker. Will, okay. Yep. Is Bronson's speed a concern for No, you? not at all. And I will say that up front. That guy is fast. <laughs> You've been asked this before. Yes. Because that's what people talk yeah, about. And they, I'm like, well, let's ask, let's they, ask Kelly. Uh, there was this play in spring ball, and people will think I'm crazy. But Taysom dropped back to pass, and he started rolling out to the field. Bronson came from the backside. Taysom running full speed, sprinting out to the field, and Bronson caught him from behind. So right there, <laughs> that's when my questions were all answered. How fast is Bronson yeah, Kifusi? He's pretty fast, man. I think, and, you know, people have seen him on the basketball court. I think people just see him, they think D lineman. They think this big, you know, 285 pounds. Well, Bronson's down to 265 now. Mm-hmm. He's dropped 20 pounds and uh, is moving super well. And uh, I, I just think BYU fans are going to be very pleasantly surprised when he gets on the field. And you moved him to linebacker because I'm guessing that you wanted to utilize that speed in some way, right? Yeah, exactly. And so it was just really putting him in a position to be more successful and to help our team and really putting him in a position that highlights who he is. But our defense, those are the stuff. I mean, you look at the last nine years since Coach Menhall's been here. They're the guys. The outside backers and the inside backers. They, no, just, <laughs> those are the guys that make the plays. Especially, the, I mean, you look at just the outside backers that we've put in the NFL in the last 10 years. There's been, I think, seven of them that we've counted of in the last 10 years. And, uh, you know, that's just how our defense, it's based around those guys coming off the edge, rushing the quarterback, putting them in different situations, lining them up in different places so the defense or the offenses never have quite a feel of where they're going to be. And it's just putting them in a situation to use their talents to make plays. Six eight six five on the edge is is awfully, is awfully enticing, yes. isn't it? Yeah, oh yeah. And so, I mean, you're <laughs> going to have 
Bronson, who I think is just under six eight, he's six seven and something, and then Alani is six five, just under six six. And so those two guys, and then Troy Hines is six five, Fred Warner six four. Um, Troy, shoot, I shouldn't have said that. Fred Warner is six four. Sorry about that. Is Troy Warner someone? Uh, no, uh, don't worry about that. Six four. Six four is Fred Warner, and uh, <laughs> compliance you know, is going to yeah, send you. <laughs> and then uh you know we have some other we have height out there which is you know what i'm trying to say which is good and uh it's always i think good for leverage um get separation when you're pass rusher you always want to have great leverage get separation for the offensive tackle so you know long arms it's it's going to be great to have those guys out breaking there. news the linebacking core at byu <laughs> is deep again yeah you know yeah. what else who, is new who was it that told us that ta- maybe it was Taysom? I, I I don't remember, but that when he looks to Bronson's side, that he immediately thinks, "Well, that's not open," <laughs> just because of how yeah. big he is. Is yeah. that gonna really? Yeah. Do you think that'll really happen with some quarterbacks? I, yeah, I think a lot of the time teams go away from taller guys, especially quarterbacks, because they can get their hands up, especially in three-step game. I mean, you guys remember the first play of the Utah State game. Yes. And really, that's all it was. It was a three-step pass. Kyle getting his hands up in the passing lane and scoring a touchdown. Well, with Bronson, he should be able to do that a lot. He did that a lot at D-line, at just getting his hands up in the passing lane, being able to knock down balls. And so it's just that's – Whether a, he's forward or backward. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, there New was Mexico one. State, he was backward yeah. and jumped up. Well, he had one, I think it was in the Virginia game this last year, too, where he – he was kind of rushing, kind of put his hand behind him like that, and you know, luckily hit the ball. So, just you know, that's another advantage of having a big, tall guy on the edge of just getting your hands up in the passing lane when they're trying to do you know three-step quick passing game. The the Kafusi smash, I believe, is is what we call that. <laughs> uh, you took a trip to visit the 49ers, and uh, there was some enthusiasm on that on Twitter about that. What what did you experience in San Francisco that uh, made BYU football better? Man, that they uh, are really good. <laughs> they have really good players. Um, and really what uh, the main thing I think that we brought back is their schemes, their scheme and our scheme are very similar. And a lot of times we go on these visits, we've been to the Steelers, we've been to the Texans, um, and uh, you know now the 49ers, that's what we've done in the last three years. And really a lot of the time it's going there, not so much getting new ideas, but kind of confirming to us that we're doing the right stuff. Mm-hmm. And really, that was one of the main things that we did when we went to the 49ers is they're doing a lot of the same stuff that we're doing. That kind of just makes us feel like, okay, we're on the right track. They do you know, a couple things, so make a couple tweaks here and there to make it better, but we're not going out there to completely be the 49ers and to completely change our defense to what they do. It's more of just kind of making sure we know that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Um, yeah, there's maybe some adjustments that we can make here and there um, with a couple tags and some coverages and things like that. But I think for the most part, it was just to go out there, reaffirm to us that we're on the right track. And then also, we got a couple new coverage concepts that we hadn't used before. Um, we started doing some more man-free stuff last year. Um, you know, I don't know if fans noticed that. We ran more man last year than we had in the last eight years. Hmm. And, you know, most fans probably didn't ever notice that. Um, we'll probably um, maybe – add on to that this year, do continue to build up a little more, man. But our base is our, our zone coverage, which we've been really good at. So it's just a great compliment to every now and again match up just man-to-man, mano-a-mano, and go. And we have more guys that do that. Our DBs are deeper than – I mean, you guys mentioned, you yeah. know, um, Harvey Jackson. 
And, uh, you know, you know, there's him coming in and then Jordan Johnson coming off of an ACL and, you know, Trent, Trent Trammell, Trammell coming off an ACL. Yeah. And then you've got Rob Daniel coming back and Craig Bills and Daniel or um, Dallin Levitt. And you, so you got I mean, we got some guys that we haven't had before. And uh, and so that kind of warrants you to be able to play a little more man to man coverage. Seahawks next year. No. <laughs> just, just because they're they're four they're a four three team, mm-hmm. they you know they run a lot of cover two. We don't run a much cover two, and so uh, denied. Yeah, that's what it, just happened. Yeah. Right there. So you know, <laughs> no. I, you know, no. we try to we we try to go to a three four team. Yeah. And the other yeah. thing is, Coach Mendenhall always wants to go to a team where there's baseball. So get a little Does football he? in, and then he we likes baseball. Yeah. So we we went to a Houston Astros game. Once he's a huge pitch, uh, Pittsburgh Pirates fan. Really? So last year when we were in Pittsburgh, what? went to a Pirates game. It's random. Yeah, random. Yeah. You know, Coach Mendenhall was a better baseball player than a football player. Most people don't know that. Did not know that. Yeah. So we're gonna have Good. to we ask have, him yeah. about we have that next time now. we talk. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly, great to have you with us. Thanks yeah. for the update. Yeah, great stuff. Uh, if you couldn't tell, we're excited about football. Oh yeah, out. so am I, man. <laughs> so am I. Great to have. Great to be with you guys today. Thanks, Kelly. Fifty-one days until you can watch Kelly's special teams and outside linebackers take the field against Connecticut. Up next. The head volleyball coach of Team USA Volleyball, John Spira, he joins us to break down Taylor Sanders' emergence and why Taylor may soon have a serious fan base of 14 to 18-year-olds. This is BYU Sports Nation. Huh? This is BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store. BYU Sports Nation rolls on. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan feeling the flow. In Studio B, follow the show on Twitter at BYU Sports Nation. You can follow us at Spencer underscore Linton and at Jerem Jordan. Hey, get involved with our simulcast. We remind you Monday through Friday at noon Eastern. Joining us now, John Spira, the head volleyball coach of Team USA, who, oh, by the way, are filling the flow. Nine and three in pool play. They have qualified for the final six in the FIVB World League. Coach, congratulations on really a dominating run through pool play. Oh, thanks a lot. Yeah, I, I think uh, when we saw the pools, what they've done this year in the format of World League is they've put all the best teams into two different pools. And so getting to the World League finals looked like it would be a real challenge. We were in the pool of Bulgaria, Serbia, and Russia. Russia's the best team in the world right now. And so for us to be 9-3 and three at this point, I think it was uh, probably more than what most people expected, and we're thrilled about it. What was the goal going into the World League? You know, it's tough to really set a goal. I mean, obviously, you'd love to get to the World League Finals. I guess that was our goal. Um, it's a, it's such a challenge in this environment to get everybody together in time to put together a, a team where you feel like everything is where you want it. I mean, we we literally showed up in Bulgaria, and we were meeting guys uh, who were still overseas who had finished up their pro leagues who hadn't even come home yet. And so we literally went into that first weekend of Bulgaria with – maybe three practices, and they were all in Bulgaria. And uh, we went down 0-2 that first match, and I thought we were playing hard. We just weren't very smooth yet, of course. And uh, we ended up coming back and winning at five. I sometimes wonder if those early wins just give your team some confidence that they can roll with. We beat Bulgaria the next night. Two road wins in this pool is significant achievement. I think that got us off to a great start. So, yeah, re- really happy with where we're at right now and, and – and the opportunity to go to the World League Finals in Italy next week. John Spira, the current head coach of USA Men's Volleyball, also the guy in charge at UCLA. Team USA has Italy next Wednesday in Florence. Uh, I'm thinking about all the destinations that you're visiting, and, and is this the ultimate road trip? 
it's certainly one of them. I, you know, you get used to this a little bit. Uh, I mean, we just bounce around so much. So uh, we've been to some pretty, pretty fun places. Uh, Varna, Bulgaria. I mean, you don't get to put that on your passport very often. And uh, a beautiful little seaside town. They took great care of us. But yeah, I, I would think, uh, I would think Florence, Italy is about as good as it gets when you get on the road. And, and the Italian Federation does a great job with these events. But actually had a chance to play in Florence before in this arena, and it's going to be a great environment. It'll, it'll be a blast for our guys. It's kind of a new era in USA Volleyball with you as the head coach, and then you're running some newer guys out there, kind of a new generation of guys. Micah Christensen is one of the setters. He's still in college at USC, across town from you there, of course. And Taylor right. Sander, the reason we have you on today uh, to talk. Right. Taylor Sander, fresh out of BYU. Uh, at some point we thought, you know what, Team USA in the mix, you and I had had that conversation in Provo before matches. How, how quickly did you think he'd acclimate uh, versus what he's actually done? You know, I think it's a great unknown. I think the adjustment to the international game is significant. I think we all knew Taylor had the physicality to match up with the international game. Uh, it was just a matter of what was his performance going to be? How, how was he going to perform and, and handle the pressure and, and uh, the velocity and the speed of the game? And I think he's adapted to it faster than I expected he would, uh, and probably faster than many people expected he would. He's been uh, just outstanding in his first World League campaign. And World League stuff, I mean, you got to deal with some things you haven't had to deal with before. Uh, travel, foreign, foreign gyms, and some really incredible crowds, and the jet lag, and all the things that come with it. And for him to be able to perform at this level this early with this little experience, I think both very, very well for his career. And, and he's been a key element to our team's success, which is, I think, a surprise for everyone. He's benefited uh, greatly from the experience, obviously, at BYU. But he told us on the show a couple weeks ago that he feels like playing on Team USA is easier than playing for BYU. I think Matt Anderson certainly helps uh, with yes. that. But he says he doesn't have three <laughs> yeah. blockers up every time. You know, that's, yeah, I appreciate to hear him say that. Certainly the, uh, the crowd at BYU is probably used to some of that noise. Um, you know, I, I think you're on the road, too. Maybe, I don't know, I'd have to talk to him. I actually haven't had this conversation with him. Certainly performing at home in front of all those people, maybe he felt some pressure, pressure to perform, and it was probably a lot on his shoulders. Uh, now he's on the road most of the time, and uh, he has some great teammates that can carry, help carry the load, obviously Matt Anderson being one of them. But, I mean, he's got, he's got some, uh, some friends on this team, some co-players that are in the same situation. I'm, I'm sure him and Micah and Eric Shoji, you know, all these young players we have on the team are kind of in the same situation where they're going through the transition at essentially the same time. And I bet he feels quite a bit of camaraderie with those guys. USA men's volleyball head coach John Spira joining BYU Sports Nation. Coach, earlier this week we saw Taylor on the cover of Volleyball Magazine. Have, have you seen the cover, and how do you keep things like that from going to Taylor's head? <laughs> yeah, I actually just saw that today on Twitter. Uh, so I haven't had a chance to read the article yet. I think, you know, when you're dealing with great athletes who come in and make an impact, and it's, it's the same conversation with Matt Anderson and, and Max Holt and Micah and Eric. I mean, all these guys are becoming world-class players. And when you're a world-class player, you get some notoriety. And you're going to have to learn how to be humble and understand and respect the game and know that it's not necessarily about what everyone's telling you, but but really about the teammate you are and how great you want to be and how much you're going to push yourself to become your very best. And, and I think 
we constantly have to remind our players. I mean, it's, it's hard when people are telling you how great you are. You have to make sure you really work to being humble and, and understanding that the mission is not accomplished. It's not about your ego. It's about the team. And uh, I'm sure, you know, over the years, I mean, that's the nice part about this job versus uh, coaching the UCLA. Is, you know, UCLA, BYU, or Chris is coaching. You get these, these young men for four or five years. Uh, I'm going to have the opportunity to work with Taylor for potentially a very long time. And uh, so I'm, I'm sure we'll having this conversation along the way and it'll be a great maturing process for him i'm planning on being in rio to watch you guys play by the way I, i'm okay. i'm hoping if you have any extra tickets you could uh, help me out <laughs> with that too. we'll talk later yeah but what, yeah, okay. what have you learned about taylor sander that you didn't know now that you've been able to personally coach him i, I think i've learned how much uh he just has a good time you know he's just he's easy to laugh and we can talk about some things and he's really frank and honest about what he's feeling and going through. and um, I, I was really, really excited by the way he played, particularly in the last match versus Serbia. So for the listeners that don't know what we went through, we had this great run, um, but we got to the end in this last match, and we actually had to win in order to qualify. So despite the fact we were 9-3, and three, there's this point system that they have to determine who goes to the World League Finals, and we were virtually tied with Serbia going into the final match. And so it was essentially, it was like a playoff game. It was like a championship match. And Taylor uh, had a, a tough spell through the middle of that, and we were able to have a conversation, and his resiliency, his ability to come back and play at a really high level to finish the match and get us the win, really, I felt really good about that. I, th- I think he's, he's a winner, and I, I'm really excited to, to see that so early on here with uh, working with him. Coach, can you compare and contrast the dynamic of coaching against Taylor and now coaching him directly? Uh, well, I'm sure glad he's on the same side of the net as me. I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't remember who was asking me about it before, but I, 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 maybe I tweeted this out, but I was like, hey, this is a win-win for me. We get him away from BYU and <laughs> on Team USA. Yeah. Um, yeah, the dynamic, yeah, you know, it's just different. I mean, I, I really enjoy this aspect of this role I have and that you get to compete against these guys, and then at the end of the day, you get to be on the same team. And I, I think, to me, that's fun. And I, I had fun with it last year with Micah because Micah came onto the team late last summer. And so we had a little bit of fun back and forth before our SC match match and uh, you know you get to have some fun with it but at the end of the day we're all americans and it's a great honor to be able to coach these guys and step out of the board and wear usa and go represent your country together hashtag america other cougars yeah. in the mix uh, russell holmes is on the team has seen some time and then one of your uh, benchmates mike hall former cougar assistant coach what kind of influence has mike hall had on team usa um uh, you know, uh, Wall. sorry, Mike, Mike Hall's Wall, for yeah. BYU basketball player. Mike Hall. Yeah, no, Mike Wall. Yeah. Wall. No, Wall. I mean, <laughs> listen, this this uh, job that I have is a challenge um, to do both, and I get obviously lots of questions about that. Uh, the only way it works is that you just you have great people that are helping you. It's really the only way that it could work. And uh, Mike has been an amazing asset to the staff. I mean, my my whole staff has just been incredible uh, at both places i just I, I can't get over how grateful i am uh to be working with everybody um so and russ is just a great player he's he played some minutes for us this past weekend in serbia he's he's steady he's experienced he was an olympian he was with us in london 
and started, I think, maybe every match in London. So, you know, having that veteran experience on this team with a lot of youth is pretty important for us. Coach, what kind of a reception are you getting as you go and visit these foreign countries in terms of support for Team USA and and maybe even some BYU people that are there to watch Taylor Sander? Yeah, we actually, I guess, had a group. I didn't know this, but we had a group of them that uh, – group of BYU fans that showed up in Serbia. So, um, you know, the reception we get is, is uh, it, it, I guess it kind of varies country by country. I think people are always a little uh, enamored and interested in with Team USA. We have some guys that are pretty talented players and have developed a reputation overseas, particularly Matt Anderson. Um, Matt's, a, <laughs> Matt's a good-looking guy, and for some reason he just has developed this following with the uh, – 14 to 18 year old girl it's incredible <laughs> he has to like it, you know when we were in Russia he literally had to sneak out a side door it's like you know you're not used to you're not used to having this kind of celebrity impact when you're a volleyball player growing up in the U.S. but it exists overseas for some of these guys and uh Is Taylor so we get a good reception uh not yet but it won't be long you know I mean, he's gonna once, once people begin to figure out who he is, it, it's going to probably be the same thing for him, too. What do you expect from, uh, I know you're in the middle of Team USA, but like you said, you have to manage, you know, being the UCLA head coach as well. You lost Gonzalo Quiroga, uh, Robert Page from your team, some of the big guns. BYU loses Taylor Sander, among others. Uh, what do you, how do you expect it to be a little different next season? I think it'll be significantly different. Uh, I mean, I think you look at Stanford, who made the finals. I think they lose all their pin hitters. We lose all of our pin hitters. Um, uh, Long Beach loses uh, uh, Taylor Crabb, who yep. is such a huge part of what they do. Uh, so I, I think there's a lot of teams that are kind of in our situation. I, I don't expect the level to be as high, but there's going to be some good teams. I think Pepperdine returns mostly everybody. I would expect them to be an early favorite. Uh, I think SC returns a lot of guys, so I, I expect them to be good. Uh, and then Loyola Chicago, they lose. I think they're opposite, but boy, their outsides are sure good volleyball players, and their setters still there, and uh, at least one of the middles, both the middles, I think. And so, uh, you know, I think that team will will contend again out of the Midwest. So, I think the top end teams will be very good. I, I'm not really sure what's going to happen with everybody else. I think there's just going to be so many new faces. It's hard to predict. I mean, my team is going to be really different. Uh, I think we've recruited pretty well, but I mean, we're going to be all freshmen, sophomores for the most part, and I think that always creates a, a new dynamic for the team. I think it's going to be very good. I think the guys are great guys, and I'm excited about working with the new group. And I'm excited to get back in the gym over there and see how it all comes out this season. I think it's going to be a year where you're going to see some teams that will start getting better later in the year as they develop some experience. John Spira, the head volleyball coach of UCLA and of Team USA. Great to talk with you. Congratulations on all the success you had in pool play, and good luck in the final six of the FIVB World League. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. Up next, the most likely blowout scenario for BYU football in 2014. I'll tell you why it's not Savannah State. This is BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio and on BYU TV. Virginia? BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. Today we're talking about blowout games in light of the Germany-Brazil soccer debacle at the World Cup. What about BYU? What are the most memorable blowout games for BYU? Jeremy and I have discussed what we think. UCLA, 
the the loss against Hawaii in 2001. But what about 2014 as we throw this forward? What's the most likely blowout scenario for BYU in 2014? Virginia. It's going to be perfect weather, and it's going to be the perfect game. 60 to 0. <laughs> Not 60 to nothing. BYU by 17 plus. Here's the thing. Just I like don't, Houston I don't think year. it's what? Savannah State because Bronco tends to pull out the dogs early. And so I think it's Virginia or UNLV. I could see BYU winning one of those games by 30 plus. I could see Houston where BYU ratchets down the defense in a home game but scores a bunch still. Season opener? Home opener? Home opener. Yeah, the home opener. Season opener, yeah. Connecticut, I expect a blowout there. It's not Savannah State. I'm, I'm being bold. Who gets the rise and shout? Oh, we're going long distance. This is BYU Sports Nation simulcast on BYU Radio and on BYU TV. BYU Sports Nation is presented in part by DexterLaw.com. Help when you need it most. Welcome back. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan in Studio B. Big week ahead. Talking the next three days specifically. Three shows anyway. Daniel Sorensen from Kansas City Chiefs camp on Thursday. Lee Johnson. Former NFL punter, BYU great, working with the special teams. He joins us on Friday. And Brian Keel, still pursuing his NFL career on Monday. The Rise and Shout today brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Help. And again, most, DexterLaw.com. We can't help but give it to the Brazilian yes. soccer team. To the soccer team or the whole country? You know what? Let's give it to the entire country. The entire country. A patria amada o Brasil. They need it. You need a pick-me-up. That was the worst thing ever. Yeah. Oh, for your country. My goodness. Uh, we're talking about blowout losses. What is your most memorable BYU blowout, good or bad? At Clips TV Smith. Mike Michael Smith. Smith. BYU basketball great, NBA player. And now He's the an analyst for the analyst Clippers for the Clippers. TV. He says an 86-87 Cougar basketball team beat Pittsburgh by 34. So that Pittsburgh team was ranked and had three future pros. That's awesome. At that's, Crazy Cook Fanatic. This one's great. Only too. Holy War I ever attended in person was 2011. 54-10 debacle. I won tickets like winning tickets to the Titanic. <laughs> or, the, or the Hindenburg. <laughs> or that and thanks to our guests, John Spraw and Kelly Papinga. Follow us at BYU Sports Nation. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Mark Heslop. BYU Sports Nation, back to work tomorrow.